Hey everybody, and welcome to Cameron Hats episode three. I am host number one, Phil, and with me as always is my brother and co-host, Simon. Hey everyone, uh, host number two, Simon here. And tonight we also have uh, our very first guest speaker, guest host with us, a uh, good friend of the show and longtime photographer, especially of kids, uh, Ben Hollingsworth. Howdy folks, I'm Ben. Um, I'm... Uh... Like I said, longtime photographer. Uh, I have three kids, uh, a little older than these other guys. They range from uh, 17 down to 10. I've been shooting uh, uh, all manner of different sports as it relates to the kids over the years. Um, you know, whether it's uh, well, we got basketball, soccer, um, track, BMX, uh, skateboarding. Uh, <laughs> That's a huge variety of sports. Yeah, huge variety. I think the most That's exactly um, the reason that we reached out to you because you've got <laughs> you've got quite a bit of experience in in doing this. Yeah, so my, my kids are five and three, play no organized sports, so I, I shoot them playing frisbee and uh, attempting to throw a football, and uh, not not exactly what you're used to, Ben. Hmm. Oh, I've, I've spent many hours doing exactly that with my kids too. So that's, that's certainly where I got started. Um, so go we, ahead, Phil. We, uh, all right, the, so we, we, we kind of want to go over tonight. It's just kind of, um, the huge variety of things that our kids have done in, in the sports arena and the, the challenges and rewards and what, what have you of, of trying to take good photos of them. Yeah. And um, we, we figured that other parents, uh, and since this is camera dads, uh, other dads might be dealing with some of the same things with their own kids and they're trying to take photos of their kids or they want to do a better job of it. And we'll, we'll sort of explore some of those issues tonight too, uh, under the context of what we have done to uh, solve those problems in our own <coughs> lives. So, uh, Phil, what, where are we all coming from? Phil, what, what sports do your kids play? Okay. Well, it's interesting. Um, a little bit of background for you and I, actually, um, the brothers that we are, we didn't grow up playing any sports. <laughs> we weren't what you would call athletic individuals. Our, our sports, uh, and this is true, consisted of playing kickball and croquet in the backyard while riding unicycles. Yeah, pretty much. And, and if, if, I, if we, I pay to get access to photograph that. <laughs> it's on ESPN 8, the Ocho. The Ocho. Um, so, and, Chuck Norris. And I think it's oh. it's good to bring that up because uh, now our kids are, are uh, maybe a little more into actual sports. And so I'm kind of flying blind here. I don't, I don't even know the rules to some of the sports. Like uh, we, were, we were trying to play football the other day and I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to be the quarterback and it's my job to, and I'd ask my wife like, what now? Um, so Ben, you might have a little more background in some of this, uh, with, with your, your personal background and your own kids as well. I, I wasn't much far, uh, farther ahead than you were actually. I mean, I, <laughs> That's good to uh, know. my brothers and I were not uh, athletes growing up. Um, but I do enjoy watching sports. So I, I at least had that on you. So. Okay. When um, I, when I got started in this, um, so my, my son, he is seven and he's been playing soccer for about three years. I think he's about to start his fourth season um, and, and about to. He actually did start it um, just a couple of days ago. And I got to say, 
I don't know. I didn't know. I still don't know what I'm doing when I'm out there taking pictures of him. So th this is outdoor soccer, um, just through the YMCA and, uh, Sorry, lost my train of thought for a sec. Um, well, Phil, I, I was going to ask you as you're on that train of thought, um, he, what uh, this isn't a gear show, but what are you using? Are you using your mobile phone? You have DSLR. Well, for the, for for the sports, I sort of default to using the DSLR with a 55 to 200 millimeter zoom lens. Okay, um, which is one of the it's a pretty the standard. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty standard it's, lens that a lot of people might have in their kit. Yeah, you get that sometimes when you buy a camera. Uh, sometimes they'll throw in that lens as part of the deal. That's mm -hmm. how I got it. Okay. Um, I I use that lens almost exclusively for sports photography. Although there have been there have been some sports uh, basketball, for instance, where it doesn't work out so well. And Ben, Why what are that? you what are you using here? Um. Well, I've got a, a variety. You know, I started off using a uh, can I, I shoot Canon. Uh, I started off using their seventy to three hundred. Uh, consumer grade lens, which is on par with the 55 to, to what, 200, 250 uh, that they ship now that Phil said he was using. Yeah. Um, gradually worked up my way up through a couple different lenses. Uh, go to lens that I have now is a 70 to 200 uh, f2.8 IS lens, which I love. <laughs> yeah, it's hard um, to go around. And I've been known to rent <laughs> than that from time to time. And you, that 70 to 200 is uh, kind of well known as uh, one of the standard lenses for portrait photographers and sports photographers. And, and you said it's a, it's an F 2.8 lens, right? That's correct. And what is that? Yeah, F2. They have an F4 variety, but I, I have the 2.8 version. So what does that mean? And again, I don't want to get too far from tangent, but the shooting uh, sports with a mobile phone is going to be a much different experience than shooting with a DSLR with one of these lenses. So um, what does that lens mean when you said it's a 2.8 IS? Well, um, IS uh, means image stabilization. There are gyroscopes and stuff inside the lens that uh, help stabilize the picture. So if you're standing there and your hands are shaking, you're kind of wobbling the lens around, which happens more and more with longer lenses. Um, it'll help kind of stabilize things a little bit so you don't get blurred motion from the camera shake. Okay. Um, Canon use calls it image stabilization IS. Nikon calls it uh, vibration VR. Stabilization. Yeah. Tamron yeah. uses that also. Sigma calls it uh, optical stabilization OS. They all mean the same thing. And that 2.8, that means it's got a large aperture, and so you can use a faster shutter speed and also take photos in lower light. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, the, the aperture is the size of the opening inside the lens, the diameter of that opening through which the light comes. Okay. Um, so the bigger that hole is, it's, you know, it's like water through a hose. You got a little tiny drinking straw would be like your F8, F11. Um, a fire hose is going to be your F2. Uh, you know, the bigger the opening, the more light you can pass through it. Okay. And so the reason that we're, we're bringing all this up is... If I'm wanting to shoot my shoot photos of my kids playing soccer, like Phil's talking about, it sounds like there's a couple different options. I can get um, a, a DSLR uh, and one of these these 55 to 200 lenses, or one of these 70 to 200 lenses. And are they are they both going to do a good job? If, I mean, Phil, in in your experience, does this work? This the the setup you've got. 
for the most part, using the 55 to 200 lens um, works works pretty well. Um, it doesn't have as big of an aperture as the one that Ben's talking about, but uh, for the most part, I use it for outdoor, uh, like you know, midday soccer games or baseball games. So the amount of light that I have isn't an issue. Um, and it's what I really use it for is the zoom. That's probably the biggest thing for me. I've, I've always kind of been a zoom nut, um, sometimes to a fault, just zooming in too far and, and, and not getting quite what I want. But, um, I'm thinking of, for example, in baseball, um, I can get up to from from watching baseball game. I can get stand behind the fence, and but put put the camera right up to the chain link fence, zoom out and see my son like full size, filling the frame, standing there on first base, you know, catching going like this, ready to catch a ball or whatever whatever the thing. And there's no way that I could do that with. A, with a lens that didn't have that kind of a zoom on it, unless I was out standing out there on the field. Now, what about if, if I've got a mobile phone, like an iPhone or a, an Android, it's got like 12 megapixels and I can pinch to zoom. It's That's basically doing the same thing though, right? Well, no, it's not. Um, and I'm, I'm kidding. I know it doesn't do the same thing, but <laughs> <laughs> trying to play devil's advocate here. Let me tell you here, Simon. Um, no, that's a fair question because uh, there's a lot of parents that, really just rely on their mobile phone for taking pictures of their kids and this kind of thing. And for the most part, those pictures are going to be pretty good. Uh, we were talking about image stabilization and more and more the last couple of years, um, higher end phones have had OIS built in, uh, the iPhone probably six or six plus and up has it. A lot of the high-end Samsungs have it. The Google Pixel, I'm sure, has it. And that's becoming more and more of a normal thing. So, the so if, I, if I'm like holding it in my hands and wobbling around, it's going to stabilize that image. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, if, if you're... So to a point. Okay, to, to a, a point. point. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going yeah, to take any kind of that shape it. out of there. It's, it's not going to be blurry if it were if it didn't have it like if your hand was just shaking a little bit um but yeah if you're if you're actively you know just bouncing it around to see what happens it's not really going to work the idea behind ois is that it just helps eliminate what could be a blurry photo when there is a tiny amount of shake going on but with with the zoom it, it it would take a lot to get into the whole optical zoom versus digital zoom thing um but on a, a smartphone, you're not doing any actual uh, physical zooming. You're not bringing that subject closer to you through optics. You're just um, essentially using software to magnify the image you've already got. Sort of like cropping it in Photoshop. Yeah, it's exactly like cropping it. Yes, exactly like cropping it. So um, if, if we look at some of the common challenges that parents face, um, things like with your mobile phone, the photos are often, they come up blurry, especially if it's an evening uh, soccer football game. Um, maybe you have a pocket camera, and I, I know I have a pocket camera, but um, when I start zooming in, sometimes it's hard to focus. Um, sometimes weather is a problem. Sometimes the lighting is really bad, especially if it's indoor. Um how do you guys solve some of these problems that are common to uh, uh, parents 
shooting photos of sports. Ben, ben what do you do to solve some of these problems? Well, um, you know, you can, you can change what you're shooting. Uh, if your equipment is not up to the task of shooting at a great distance in a darker room, like uh, indoor basketball, which is one of the, the hardest things to shoot, um, then instead of trying to get that layup at the far end of the court, you can focus on more of the lifestyle uh, shots, you know, get pictures of, um, you know, the kids celebrating on the bench or or getting ready before the game or hanging out with their friend after the game, you know, things that will create memories of the experience, uh, but they don't have nearly the, the technical challenges of, of shooting at a great distance in a dark room. You know, that's a really good point. I think we've been conditioned by ESPN and uh, YouTube replays to look for the highlights. And when you're sitting courtside at your kid's uh, basketball game, we have in our mind this image of capturing the, 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 the moment he goes up for the layup and uh, the, the, the moment he catches that perfect touchdown pass. But you're exactly right. I mean, if we're creating memories, it's not necessarily about those highlight shots. And those shots typically require thousands of dollars of gear and a trained professional to get. We, we want to preserve those memories. And so I think this is a great idea to, to shoot these other things that add texture and context to the game, as opposed to always like thinking we have to get that highlight. That's something that I, sort of assuming, but just being a parent myself, thinking that a lot of parents are on that same boat where they don't think about what could I shoot instead. Um, and there's a lot of things that you could shoot instead to get the memories. Um, in, in any sport, you've got the, the timeouts the after game walk down the court where you high five everybody on the other team. Um, everybody, maybe they're on a break of some kind and everybody's just huddled around the coach and the coach is, you know, the kids are on their knees and the coach is sort of squatted down saying, listen, kids, we got to do this and do this or the, or the go team. Everybody put your hand in. You can tell a lot of stories about the game with those with those things. But if you're waiting for your, your son or your daughter to make that perfect shot, what if they don't? Cause they're probably not going to. <laughs> Yours might not. Yeah. I mean, mine does every no, time. Simon, Simon, Frisbee isn't, Frisbee isn't a real sport. So. Uh, Phil, it's called disc, not Frisbee. Come on. Yeah. Um, you know, even but, if you, you look at uh, Sports Illustrated's website where they have their long-form articles, they're really about telling stories. And they do have great action shots from you know that you expect to see from Sports mm -hmm. Illustrated, but they tell the, all the backstory and the preparation and everything that goes into that. And you know all the rest of that stuff is still something that a lot of everyday parents can do with their smartphone even. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And, and Phil... I think when you're uh, at some of these games with your kids, if I if I'm remembering right, you're you usually have the DSLR and your wife often has a mobile phone. Is that right? Like you're usually. you're shooting uh, pictures, or, or, with... we'll, or we'll trade it, and she'll have the DSLR on her mobile phone. Okay, but it's sort um, of like one one and the other. Yeah, yeah. And then you and we get sometimes kind of... do that too. Okay, and you get my, the... my wife will record like a, a video of of what's going on for you know a minute or two. 
okay. uh, just to kind of get that video going on while I'm focusing on stills with my SLR. Well, yeah, and that's something that I do too. Is um, when I'm when I'm in that environment where I just want to get some really good pictures. If I don't have my camera set up ahead of time, um, and the first couple shots, you know, they're blurry or the the lighting isn't right or whatever, well, I I could take out my cell phone and just have it on on auto and get more or less good enough pictures out of it. Mm-hmm. without having to fiddle with all the buttons and dials on my fancy smashy DSLR, which can do a great job if I take the time to be prepared. Well, you mentioned earlier, uh, just now you said setting up your DSLR. What if you do want to to capture that that um, highlight-worthy frame of your of, of uh, hitting that shot or, or scoring the basket or whatever it is? Is there a way to do that? on on just a, an average camera let me, do, you, let do, me, you need, do you need like the fanciest gear ever to do that sort of thing let me take a two-pronged approach to this and i'm going to put the second prong on ben okay um my first take here is to get those <laughs> perfect shots um one thing you have to do no matter what your equipment is be in the right position you mm-hmm. have to yes. that's a really you know, good I picture point, myself yeah. if i if i want um, an amazing shot of, of somebody doing a slam dunk. Well, a perspective you're not going to get any other way is if you were laying on the floor underneath the hoop or squatting down right next you to might their, get their you face know, full just of basketball. If that happens, yeah, yeah, you probably, you probably break your phone, but <laughs> you, you have to think about how you want that shot to look. If that's really what you're going for, where do I need to position myself on the court do I need to step inside a little and hope the coach doesn't get mad at me? There's tons of stuff to think about just to be in the right point, in the right frame yeah. to get what you want. And Ben, you shoot football games. That has games. nothing to do with the, the equipment. I'm hoping that Ben can talk more about, about the techniques and the equipment to to handle that. Well, and, and, and I'm going to continue on that subject you had there, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the friendlier you get with uh, the coaches <laughs> and the officials uh, and even the other players, uh, the more likely, the more freedom you are going to be given for getting into the positions you want to be in, because they're all <laughs> going to be like, oh, yeah, that's just Micah's dad. He's fine. He takes great pictures of son. Let him be there. Um, that's it. So it's... <laughs> where if you're just that sneaky creep with the camera that nobody knows, uh, you're going to get some ugly looks. And Well, there's a, that's a great point. And Simon and I, uh, our dad would be... That's about to say yeah, that's my dad. Of course. Close to that creepy guy who doesn't quite ask for permission all the time and just says, "Oh, it'll be all right. I'm going to go take this." <laughs> well, like, no. and also, um, I do that too. There's a fine line there sometimes, depending the on game, the sport and the coaches. And you can also be that guy who uh, <laughs> tries to um, maybe get a team photo when the game is done, things like that, to uh, get in the, the get on the good sides of the the parents and the other coaches, and. Uh, make sure people know it's not just about you and your kid, but you might have some shots of some of the other kids too. And then p- other parents might be yeah, grateful I mean, to have those afterwards. Actually, we'll uh, the entire pictures that I've taken that day of whoever and put them up on my website and mm-hmm. email that link out to the other parents on our team. Yeah, um, I think that's always... Honestly, that's always they're rarely downloaded, but you know, I, I get comments now and then from people saying, oh yeah, those were neat. I feel I th- you raise a really good point about being in the right position. And that's something that um, in my personal 
experience and just in, in observing this, I think people don't always do that. Um, be, just because your camera has a zoom lens, that that might change your focal length and your angle of view, but it won't change your perspective necessarily. You need to physically move around, and if you uh, if you know that the um, that you're you're shooting a soccer game and your kid is going towards the goal on the north side of the field, then maybe walk over to that side so you can get some pictures of your kids scoring the goal, and Absolutely. then move around. If you sit where you parked your butt at the beginning of the game and (laughs) hope you're going to get good shots of him making that goal, well, guess what? You're going to get good shots of the backside of him making that goal. And you can go around and just wait because that that photo op may come, it may not, but you be there behind the goal Mm -hmm. or askew sort of sideways next to the goal or something and, and, and be there, be ready. So when I, I, when I go to a soccer game, I take. Yeah. I, when I go to a soccer game, I take either my camera or my lawn chair, but I never take both because one of them is not going to get used the entire game. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Ben, you've clearly been doing this for a while. This is great. <laughs> Too long. Um, uh. What What about some of the technical things, though? Um, I. I, I, I've hardly spoken much uh, this podcast. I've been asking a lot of questions because I don't shoot my kids playing actual sports just out in the yard. I use uh, I have the same lens Ben does. I got a 70 to 200 uh, f2.8 lens. I shoot um, with both full frame and crop sensor cameras. And there's a lot of technical nitty gritty things that can help someone be a better photographer too. And I bring this back to what Phil mentioned earlier when Phil, you said setting up your DSLR. Um, for me, one of the, 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 the things I try and do is get to know my camera, know how to, uh, change the settings that I want and know how to make my camera do what I want it to do for a given situation. So what do you guys do to set up your camera or to do some of the more technical things uh, to get the shots that you want? Well, a lot of it is, uh, you know, just shoot a lot. Become very familiar with the gear that you're using. Um, I, my, uh, what's now my second body is a Canon 7D that I have had for seven years now. Mm-hmm. And that thing is a natural extension of my hand. If I want something to happen, I don't have to think about, oh, three clicks on this wheel and turn the thumb here. I just say, oh, I, I want a faster shutter speed. And it just happens because my fingers know how to do it because I've taken... I don't know, 200,000 photos with that, with that camera. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a slight exaggeration, but not by much. <laughs> I, um, I would say it's probably about right. So, <laughs> um, so that, that's the number one thing. Uh, just become familiar with it. Um, every sport is going to have widely varying uh, details that you're going to have to work out. You know, indoor basketball in a junior high gym is going to be very different. Uh, different challenges uh, from shooting peewee soccer on a Sunday afternoon uh, versus uh, wrestling meets or, um, you know, skateboarding at sunset or those types of things. Um, You know, become familiar with the sport so you know before you leave home what to anticipate. Am I going to need my wide and my medium lenses? Am I going to need my medium and my long lenses? You know, how much gear do I need to take? Um... I've developed enough of a collection that I can't take everything anymore. Um, 
So, you know, you just kind of have to know ahead of time, the sport needs this type of thing, the sport needs that type of thing. Well, that, that's a good point because it's hard to say, to sit here as we're recording this and say, here's the solution for um, if you're shooting curling or if you're shooting ice hockey or if you're shooting basketball, there is no one solution. But I, I think it's exactly right about getting to know your gear and making sure that you're not you're not trying to decide these things on the fly um but but you kind of know from a lot of experience how to make your camera do what you want it to do and you know what gear to bring so you can get the shots you want to get right um, yeah yeah just in yeah. general though if, if i was telling somebody you know your, your kids are very athletic they do everything you know a, a lens will go out to 200 or 300 millimeter is is going to get you by for most youth sports. A little on the short side, um, I have some teleconverters that I can slap on my uh, uh, my 70 to 200. Mm-hmm. You know, you want something that'll go out to at least a meter, like most of your wider kit lenses do. Um, the faster aperture you can get, the better. Um, the newer the camera, the better, because there have been some remarkable improvements made in the. Uh, the accuracy and the speed of autofocus mm-hmm. uh, within the last, you know, three, five years. Uh, so if you're using a hand-me-down camera that's eight, nine years old, uh, you know, you could spend less money today and get a camera that was so much more capable of sports. Uh, let's, yeah. let's, can we, let's talk about autofocus for a second, because that's something that mm-hmm. I've struggled with. Um, there are times where, there's a, a series of shots like um, my son might be dribbling the basketball down the court, but he's obviously not going to stay in exactly the same plane across, you know, from mm-hmm. me. Um, but I want to make sure that I get a couple of really good shots or where he's starting, whatever the, the sport may be, he's starting farther away, but then uh, the run will bring him closer to where I am. So my first couple shots are are great, but then, the last, you know, because I'm I'm I shoot in burst mode to hope I get the best one. But as he comes in to slide on first base, well, those are all blurry because I've been focused on where he was. Well, so, so uh, if my what do we do <laughs> my my answer to that question um, has to do with a couple different things. First of all, I don't like to give advice on a lot of things in life, but one thing I am confident in saying you should do as a photographer is learn to use what's called back button focus. And most of the time, um, if you're shooting, um, a normal DSLR, you press the shutter button halfway and your camera focuses, and then you press it all the way and it takes the picture, but back button focus removes the focusing from the picture taking and it puts it on a button on the back side of the camera. And it, the actual mechanics of, of setting that up are different for Nikon, Canon, Sony. But if you just do some Googling on like uh, uh, Canon Rebel T6i autofocus, you'll find out how to do it. But what that frees you up to do is you can be focusing regardless of, of whether you're taking a picture. And then whenever you do take a picture, it snaps it instantly even if it is not necessarily in focus, but it, it allows you to um, use autofocus in such a way that it is continually focusing and you don't have to kind of hold your finger halfway down the shutter and hope you don't accidentally take a picture. You're just focusing with your thumb on the back 
And then when you want to take the picture, you snap the shutter button. But there's also a couple different elements of autofocus where you can have your camera set to uh, autofocus once or autofocus continually. And you can have it set to use just one focusing point or many focusing points. So there's a lot of different ways of doing this. Um, what I like to do is set it on what's called, the Nikon calls it 3D tracking. And so I can focus with my thumb with the back button on my son as he is uh, running around the yard, hold my thumb down on the focus. And no matter where he is in the frame, my camera will continually move that little focusing point around to stay locked on him. And then when I, whenever I want to take a picture, I just snap my index finger and it takes the picture. Sorry, that was kind of a soapbox rant. I did not <laughs> sounds, mean to yeah. did not yeah, mean no. to hijack things there, guys. But, but. I do think the back button focus is awesome, and I use it all the time. However, I don't think it's it's a requirement to solve the problem that Phil was mentioning because um, you can leave your index finger uh, depressing that button halfway down, and it will continually focus. If you're on what Canon calls AI servo mode, mm -hmm. uh, where it's just a continuous autofocus, so if you have the dexterity to, to press the button all the way down to take your shot and then let it halfway up again, but, but still keep it halfway pressed, uh, <laughs> it will continually focus like that. Yeah. What's interesting. I don't have that dexterity at 46 years old anymore. <laughs> no, I don't uh, So yeah, that's why I, I like being able to just hold my, my thumb button down and my thumb is always down. It's always focusing. And then I can just snap whenever I feel like catching yeah. a moment. I guess I've just always been, accustomed to the single finger approach and I, it sounds like if i really want to get better at doing those kinds of things i really need to explore um the, the continuous autofocus and probably the back button focus too and to, to, to me i've tried that before simon you've you have shown me back button focus a few times uh and it's just sort of this mental roadblock for me because i have always just gone the halfway click and that's my you know that's it that's just how my hand works yeah that's how i take pictures and and uh and switch ben's exactly right thumb, the finger combo mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like going to a harder level in the video game because you yeah. are now using more controls and if I never, five never committed to do that for me the tricky part is what ben mentioned where you after you take a picture if you're using the, the traditional focusing method of uh, the shutter button, it's releasing it just barely enough so that it, it continues to focus. And I don't have that kind of dexterity either, which is why I like to use the two separate buttons. Um, and I, I, I don't want to generalize here, but when, I, when I, I pick up someone else's camera, if they hand it to me to take a picture of their kids or something, it's typically not on continuous focus. It's often on single focus. And what that means is if I if I press the, the shutter button halfway to focus, my camera will light up and it'll go beep, beep. And that means everything is in focus, which is fine until something moves. And if everyone's standing still and we're taking a, a portrait by the Christmas tree or something, that's fine. But if I hear that little beep, beep and the viewfinder flashes and everything's in focus and my kid is running down the football field, he's going to be, right? he's going to be out of focus really fast. And so the, the, the Nikon terminology is, is AFC and Ben, I, you called it AI servo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Canon has three different modes. Okay. Uh, there's a single shot, there's AI servo, 
and there's another one that I don't think anybody ever uses. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. Um, and my, my suggestion to uh, a parent out there who's trying to get better fo- uh, photos of their kids playing sports is to learn to use that AI servo mode or the continuous autofocus mode. So as long as your finger is half pressed on the shutter or if you're pressed on the back button to focus, it is continually refocusing your lens to make sure your kid is in focus. That way, whenever you do press the button to take a picture, it's in focus. That's my, that's my soapbox on that. <laughs> all right. One, one thing, one thing that I've heard all of us say a lot is learn to do this, learn to do that, get comfortable with such and such. Well, how, you know, how, how can I just learn what continuous autofocus does and, and how I should use that? And to, to partly answer that, I can say, well, you can go on YouTube and there are some fantastic uh, YouTubers out there who just teach you how to use your camera. And you, you can learn what, what it does, how the buttons work, what the mode actually is. You know, you can get as technical mm-hmm. as you want to, to really understand, okay, what I, under, I get the terminology, but what is it that I'm actually doing here that's really making the difference? And the more time you spend on YouTube or on uh, digital photography school, Simon, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend that site. You can uh, you can learn as much as you want. Um, there is yeah, you, you can learn more than you want there. And one thing I would interject here is don't try to learn everything about your camera because there's a lot I don't need to know, and you know very few people do know all of it, but. Figure out what's holding you back. Find the problem that's most annoying to you and figure out how to solve that. And once once you've solved that, find what's next most annoying and solve that. And I would um, even use- add, find someone like Ben who's at the sidelines taking pictures and strike up a conversation. But if you yeah. you have to be uh, curious about it. Don't strike up a conversation about, oh, I about gear and like, well, did you get the newest 5D Mark IV? Boy, you're shooting with a 5D Mark III. That's pretty old. Just ask genuinely curious questions about how they're getting these shots. And most photographers would be glad to show you because photographers like to talk about photography. Make sure yeah. you've got a couple of minutes, though, before you open that can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do want to bring up gear. Um, we we're at 33 minutes into the show and we haven't talked about gear much. Um, the, the, the lens that you mentioned earlier, Phil, the 55 to 250 or to 200, mm-hmm. um, that you would think because it goes wider 55, you would think that it's actually more versatile than, uh, the one that Ben and I use, which is a 70 to 200, but one of the trade-offs with that lens is the aperture is smaller. And Ben used that, that water hose analogy earlier, where with a smaller aperture, you're going to need a more light to take a shot or a faster shutter speed to take a shot. And I, I would say if you are um, wanting to do something to, uh, if you find that your gear is limiting, particularly like if you have an older camera and you find that it, it's really grainy at higher ISO, so you can't take indoor photos very well. There does come a time when it might help to get new gear. <laughs> and um, a, a friend of mine, actually my brother-in-law just wanted to uh, just upgraded some gear. He got a 70 to 200 lens, 
but he got a used lens from a place online called Adorama. And I think he paid $700 and it's a Sigma branded lens, but it's a 70 to 200 F 2.8. So it, it, it's one of these really nice, really fast wide aperture lenses. And it's not the most current version, but it works great for him. And he got it for a, a lot less than something brand new. And I think, uh, he has like a 30 day warranty or something like that, uh, through this reputable online dealer. But I would say if, if uh, a parent out there is struggling to get the pictures and it's just not working out, there are ways of, of upgrading your gear without spending too much money that can really benefit your, your photos. Let me ask a question yeah, there absolutely. more directed towards Ben. Uh, you can rent lenses. Mm-hmm. What is the sort of price trade-off as far as, you know, buying a used lens that hopefully will do the job for me and that I'll use for years and years versus, well, I, my son is starting this new sport and I'm going to, I've heard that this lens might be okay. So I'm going to rent one for, I don't know how long do you rent lenses for? What do they cost? Is that even viable in this, in what we're talking about here, as far as, you know, everyday parents photographing their kids at sports. Um, in that environment, I would say a rental would be used more for, well, two situations. Either A, your kid made it to the state tournament. This is kind of a <laughs> one weekend thing you're going to use this lens for, probably not going to use it again. Or uh, number two, uh, you're curious if a certain lens is going to work well for you and you want to try it out. I, I rent lenses from time to time, uh, mainly for wildlife photography. My daughter and I do a big annual trip every year. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great to be able to experiment uh, with different lenses. You know, I might get a lens of this class someday. There's a few options out there. I'll try this one this weekend, this one next weekend. Um, and, you know, it's a little more expensive, but uh, compared with buying a lens, deciding you don't like it, returning it, um, or trying to sell it used at a loss, um, renting it isn't such a bad deal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's um, kind of when you can use it. As far as the cost, <clears throat> it depends on whether you're able to rent it uh, from a local camera store versus uh, one of the online rental places. And there, there are a good number of online places that rent. Lens.com is my personal favorite. Um, which, what was that? And, you know, you lensrentals.com. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, I mean, there are a few good ones out there, but for reasons I won't go into right now, I, I'm partial <laughs> to them. Um, awesome. One more thing about gear. But, uh, if, yeah. Hold on. If you have something else, Ben. Yeah. I wanted to hear what you were going to say. Yeah. Earlier, uh, you know, if you're, if you're renting it locally, um, for, for those of us here in Lincoln, Rockbrook camera rents uh, lenses, you can get a lens for just a 24-hour rental, which is pretty cheap. You know, if you game the, tonight, you can go out and rent it for 24 hours. It's a few dozen dollars, or depending on the lens you want. Uh, you return it the next day, and you're not out all that much. Is- a mail-order lens, you're probably getting it for at least three days. Uh, they're shipped shipping costs that uh, are bundled into that. So it's quite a bit more expensive, but you have a huge selection if you do it that way. Um, Is there anything you might say, Ben, uh, Ben, just about gear in general, about when when you might want to upgrade gear, how to know to which gear to upgrade to or things like that? Um, Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, Figure out what your most annoying problem is. 
solve that problem. Um, you know, I don't upgrade cameras, lenses, just because, hey, there's something new and better. Um, I upgrade cameras when I'm bumping up against a technological limitation of my current gear that's, mm -hmm. that's holding me back. Now, I had my Canon 7D for six years before I upgraded to the Mark II uh, because, you know, the autofocus and the uh, ISO sensitivity just were, I kept hitting my head against that mm -hmm. in the shooting environments I was in. Um, so yeah, don't don't buy something just because it's the the newest hottest thing. Um, find what will solve the problems that are holding you back, and and buy lenses that will do that. Do that. Uh, don't be afraid to buy used or refurbished lenses either. Yeah. Um, or cameras. I say lenses because I I buy a lot more lenses than cameras. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's I've got something somewhere north about is. Is yeah, doing... I've got somewhere north of 30 lenses Holy and three gosh. camera bodies, and almost none of it has been purchased new. Man. I bet your average, your average camera dad out there has no idea that you can rent or purchase used lenses, maybe used cameras, but... Oh, yeah. 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 Used yeah, I, lenses is... Buying, buying used lenses, you got to be careful because uh, you want to know how it's been used. Um, I only buy used lenses from individuals if I know the individual and I know how the lens has been used, mm -hmm. cared for. Okay. Um, you know, I will buy a used lens from somebody like Adorama or a used rental from somebody like LensRentals.com because I know that they have the technical expertise to go through it, make sure it's in good working order before they'll turn around and sell it to me. Sure. Yeah. We all about buying used equipment just off of some stranger on Craigslist, though, because you just never know. We did that. Um, we uh, just a week ago, my brother-in-law and I went. Uh, we were going to buy a lens off, or he was going to buy a lens off Craigslist. We went down, and the lens that she had in hand was not the lens that was on the Craigslist ad. And we just got a really fishy feeling about the whole thing, so we we it, we just backed out, and. I, I've never bought an, uh, I bought used from Adorama. Um, but I would tend to say the same thing, unless you really know the person, maybe don't go, uh, to, to Craigslist or, or Facebook. Uh, you, you just never know. Um, Phil, anything else to say before we wrap this episode up? Um, I, I had one other quick thing I wanted to mention on gear and then we do have, um, a listener question I'd like to get in. Okay. Um, would you guys recommend using a tripod for some of these sporting situations? And and um, which like which situations yes or no? So here's what I'd recommend. No, and and um, <laughs> let Ben uh, let Ben also answer this. I if you want to <laughs> if you want to use tripod, use a monopod. Um, it, I I would not recommend a tripod. I would recommend getting a lens with good vibration reduction um, or IS, uh, as Canon calls it. Because you, you're going to find yourself running around a lot and you do not want to be getting in people's way with their tripod and, <laughs> and trying to set that thing up. The whole point of the tripod is to steady your camera, but the tripod will not steady the players on the field. So if you can solve the steadying of the camera problem with image stabilization or getting a faster lens, like an f2.8 or even an f4 lens, which is still faster than uh, like an f5.6 lens, then solve that problem. But uh, don't use a tripod. And if you really have to use a tripod, get a monopod um, because it's it's much more portable and less in your way than a tripod. But anyway, Ben, what would you say? Yeah, um, it, when you get into the, the older kids with more organized sports, uh, you will not be allowed to use the tripod near the field. 
Um, a monopod can be usable if you've got a lens that's so big and heavy that you just can't handhold it a lot. You know, if you're shooting uh, high school football with a 400 millimeter f2.8 lens, um, that's <laughs> awesome. difficult to handhold. I, I know because I rented you're it probably a week not and a half ago. And it's a looking beast at of a lens. Dads either if you've got that kind of equipment <laughs> right. at the ready. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know. Otherwise, even a monopod, you know, the first football game I shot, I took a monopod with me and it stayed attached to my bag the entire time. Um, It's moving too much and very few people will need extra support. Uh, Very few of of us people are going to need that extra support for the types of lenses we're going to be using, especially if you're shooting youth sports. Um, Stabilization uh, honestly isn't going to help you all that much. Because if you're shooting in low enough light that you really need image stabilization to help steady things, then your subject matter is going to be blurry anyway. Hmm. Um, yeah. The one situation where image stabilization will help you is on your really long lenses, your 300 millimeter and up, it'll stabilize the viewfinder too. Uh, and that's nice because you can be looking at you know, the quarterback halfway down the field and he's not just dancing all over in the viewfinder. You can actually tell what you're aiming at before hmm. you freeze the frame with your fast shutter speed. All right. All right, Phil. So that that definitely helps with the tripod question. Generally, no. Uh, We've got one listener question I want to get to quick. Um, This comes from Dennis, and uh, he says, I don't have much need for sports photography ideas at this point, but what sports photography techniques would help with pet photography or candid pictures of young children? Uh, I would imagine dealing with many of the same issues of movement and fast camera shutter, et cetera. So the pet one is interesting. Dogs catching Frisbee with your son, Simon, maybe, but you don't have a dog. So. <laughs> um, ben, you had some thoughts on this for Dennis. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a golden retriever uh, bears a striking resemblance to a four-year-old, um, both speed and opinion. Um So I would say that, you know, if... Uh, uh, well, the first thing you want to do for these shorter subjects like dogs or whatnot, you want to get down on their level. Uh, you want to get down on your knees so you're not shooting down at the top of their head all the time. Um, and, I mean, that's just general photography tips, whether they're moving faster or, or sitting there on the couch. But it doesn't uh, matter whether you, you try to do that with a camera phone. That's just where you want to be, yeah, right? That's, that's a composition tip that will just make your photos better. You get down your knees when you're trying to take pictures of a dog, the dog's going to run straight at you. So unless that's the type of shot you're wanting to, to get, you know, get a helper to interact with the dog. So throw in the balls or whatever to the dog, uh, help keep the dog distracted, and he won't just be running straight at you all the time. Um, kids generally aren't going to be doing that. Uh, so you can, you can just get down on their level and shoot wherever you want. Um, another technique that you really want to pay attention to backgrounds. A lot of people focus in on the action of whoever's moving. They get hit up on that. Uh, and they get great action shots like that, but right behind the kid is, you know, a busy street in a commercial complex. And, you know, compositionally, you just, you can hardly pick the kid out of the background. Uh, so try to position in so that um, on the other side of the kid or the dog is uh you know, a, a smoother, more pleasing background, whether it's just the side of a garage or a bank of trees or a fence or something like that that's not going to compete for the viewer's eye. Um, you also want to pay attention to where the light's coming from. 
if the sun is on the far side of your subject, your subject's going to be silhouetted all the time. You're not going to see any detail. You're not going to see the kid's face. Uh, so ideally, you want the the sun to be kind of over your shoulder because that'll give you a nice light, or even off to the side, 90 degrees. That'll give you a really nice light on whoever you're shooting. One thing, sometimes you just can't make all those things work together, but you know, you do the best you can. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say, to Dennis, is get a uh, if it's young children. Uh, you can most likely uh, keep up with them a little easier. Um, I, I would recommend a wider angle, fast prime lens. If you're shooting Nikon, Nikon makes a really good 35 millimeter f 1.8 prime lens. Uh, Canon makes a, a 24 millimeter f 2.8 lens. I believe they make a 40 millimeter um, f 2.8 lens. I'm not sure. But if your photo is, uh, uh, if it's not sharp, if it's not in focus, you can't really fix that in post. So I would say do what you need to do to get a, a fast enough shutter speed to freeze the action. And so if your dog is running around, you need a fast shutter speed. If your kid's running around, you need a fast shutter speed. And you can shoot at a higher ISO to get a faster shutter speed, and that's okay. Most cameras today are pretty good at higher ISOs. Um, but if you have to shoot at a slower shutter speed, like a 40th of a second, to get the photo, your kid's going to be blurry. So... Um, because you have the luxury of being able to move around with your kid, um, I would recommend one of these faster primes. If your kid's playing sports and you have a great deal of distance between you and your kid, a prime lens isn't going to help that much, um, because you, you need to, uh, zoom in a little bit sometimes, but that's what I'd say to Dennis, get yourself a, a faster prime lens and you'll find yourself getting uh, faster shutter speeds and a lot, uh, clearer photos because they're going to be more in focus and, and not blurry because of the faster shutter speeds. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, there's a learning curve to using a prime lens, especially if it's uh, shooting random action, like a kid in the backyard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you got to learn to zoom with your feet as they say, but uh, the reason, you know, Simon tied uh, prime lenses in with this wide aperture is because uh, it's a whole lot cheaper to build a prime lens with a wide aperture than it is to build a zoom lens with a wide aperture. Um, so, I mean, you can get a 50 millimeter F1.8 lens, costs like 100 bucks, new. Um, but, you know, you try to buy a zoom lens with a 1.8 aperture, you're going to be spending $1,000. Yeah. Um, so, it's there's, be awesome. there's a trade-off to be made there. <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably not the kind of thing that our listeners are going to be really geared, <laughs> geared, ha-ha, you know, going towards. Oh, man, Phil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That's just out of reach for a lot of people, yeah. you know. A hundred dollar yeah. lens is probably something to, that we could do, but mm -hmm. you know, those are some good tips. And I, I, th I think, uh, thanks, I hope Dennis. Help Dennis with something there. So, thanks for sending well, in your your question. Um, well, guys, I think that about does it for this show. Yeah, thanks so much cool. for having me on, guys. Yeah, it was thanks, a lot of ben. fun. And uh, I hope enjoy, to have you uh, trying to help out some people. Yeah, I hope you. I hope you have. Hope to have you back sometime. And our next show is uh, we're going to be talking about social media. So Phil and I are going to be talking about um, our approaches to sharing photos on social media, where we draw the line in terms of what we share, what we don't share, just some general um, practices that we've that we do personally and things that we've learned over the years when it comes to putting photos of your kids and your family on social media or not putting them on social media. So that's our topic for next time. If you have feedback, send it to cameradads at gmail.com. You can always check us out on the website, cameradads.com. Uh, Phil, anything else?
Uh, we have a Twitter. It doesn't work. It's at Cameron Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll get good. that active here sooner or later, but right. yeah, that's there too. Um, you hit everything. So Way Ben, cool. thank you again for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. Agreed. Thanks, guys. All right.